Good morning, church family. Let's pray together. We'll dive in. Well, Father, we hear your word this morning read over us, and um, I don't know where all my brothers and sisters are this morning, how they're hearing it, how, how we came into this place, Father, but wherever we are, my prayer in these moments is that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, as you said to this prophet Jeremiah, you said, is not my word like fire? and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And so that's our request now, Lord, that you would bring your word to our hearts like fire and like a hammer that breaks stony hearts in pieces, Father. Would you speak and tear down? Would you speak and build up? Would you speak and heal and comfort? Would you grant us repentance that leads to life? And would you help us to see Jesus, the one who came for us, the one who came to rescue us, to deliver us, the one who is with us now, even by his spirit. So we say, come Holy Spirit, come and do your work in this place. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name's Michael. I serve as one of the pastors here and I am excited and humbled to bring this word this morning, and I want to talk to you today about your weakness. How about that for a, a topic as you're waking up on Sunday? We're going to talk about, about our weakness today. I want to ask you the question, how do you respond in your life when you're confronted, when you're staring face-to-face into your own weakness? When you become aware of the parts of your heart and life that are broken, where, where you can't do it on your own, where you don't have the internal resources that you need in order to do life, what do you do with that? What about your fear? How do you, how do you respond when you're confronted with something in life where you start to feel that fear set in? That's what we're going to talk about this morning as we look at the prophet Jeremiah and the Lord calling him in this passage. And as you know, if you've been with us, we are in an Advent series entitled, What Child Is This? And we've been looking at God's powerful, redemptive work and his plan throughout time and how he loves to use babies, precious children at key moments throughout his redemptive story to move his plan of salvation forward in surprising ways. Babies that perhaps were unlikely to survive, that that were unexpected in certain ways. We've looked at Isaac and how in his story we see that God is the the promise-making, promise-keeping God in in wild ways. It leaves us laughing, which is what his name means. Like, wow, he really is that good, isn't he? And then we looked at Moses last week to see that our God is the God who delivers. He delivers Moses out of this scenario where he he certainly should have died. But through these courageous women in his life, God rescued him and delivered him and raised up Moses as the deliverer, the one who would be sent to bring the people of God out of slavery in Egypt. And this morning we're going to look at the prophet Jeremiah, a young man who was weak and insecure. And we're going to see how God strengthens him. And what I want you to be listening for today as we're working through this passage is this, that 
the Lord strengthens his servants. He strengthens his people by recounting his relational history with them. But not only that, by awakening their spiritual senses. And finally, by giving them purpose and protection. I wonder if you can listen for that as we work through this passage before us. And before we get there, I want to uh, tell you a brief story and show you a few pictures. I had the opportunity to take my boys on the downtown aquarium Ferris wheel. Do we know about this? You want to bid on this thing? So this is me and my two-year-old Tate. And I don't know if you can tell, I think like the color has gone from his face because he is terrified. I mean, we got up to the top of this thing, and I myself was terrified. I was like, these doors are like these little flaps that are low to the ground. Have I made like a tragic error by taking my children up on this thing as it's kind of rocking up top? Tate, as you can see, has a hold of my arm, and he's not looking outside. He's just like looking straight in front of him, and is, he's like, uh uh-huh, Dad, like, I'm only a youth. Why have you brought me up on this Ferris wheel? <laughs> And so this was a moment right here, but I want you to see my four-year-old Declan. He is like looking over the edge. He's a pretty adventurous young man, but as you can see, he's keeping his distance from the side. He's, I mean, he's, he's trying to be courageous and, and putting on a brave face, but he also is terrified and he's like peering over like, wow, that's a long way down, isn't it? And then as you notice in that picture, Case was not pictured because he didn't come with us on the first one, but he came on the second one. I was very proud of him. The first time he was like, I'm not going on that thing. Like, I'm too smart for this. I'm, I'm not getting on that. And, uh, and I tell you this story because we all had a moment on that Ferris wheel, like where it started to go up and it started to kind of rock back and forth. And we we're like, wow, we've seen this thing driving by the highway. But now once you're up on top of this thing and the wind's blowing and you look down and mom is like way down there and you see cars underneath you driving by and you're looking at the downtown skyline. I mean, we all had a moment, myself included, where we were like, this is terrifying. And in that moment for my boys, I had to have them all look me in the eyes and say, hey, look at me. Don't look out there. Don't look down. You can, you can look out on the horizon, but really I want you to look at me. We're going to get through this together. You're going to be okay. I've got you. I don't know if I was trying to convince them or convince myself, but in that moment it was, hey, look at me. We're going to get through this together. And I want us to have that image in our mind because perhaps you're going to be able to relate to uh, my sons in different ways as we work through this message and as you consider your own journey with the Lord right now. Can you hear his voice saying to you today as he is going to strengthen you? He intends to strengthen you through his word, which is living and active, this passage that we're studying. And he's saying, hey, don't look at yourself. Don't look at your fear. Don't look out there at everyone else. Look at me. I'm going to be with you. We're going to get through this together. So let's jump in and see this for ourselves. Starting in verse 4, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Let's just pause right there for just a moment. Do you feel that right out of the gates, the Lord has just like, thrown a haymaker. Like what he has just given to Jeremiah right here would be, I mean, it's like steel in his spine if he can receive it. Like what God is saying is, Jeremiah, not only did I form you like a potter forms clay, like not only was I the one that knit you together in your mother's womb, I know everything there is to know about you. But before that, if you go back on the timeline, I knew you. 
And that word for knowing is not just like, I'm aware of your resume and I know your bio and like I know some facts about you. This is like, I know you intimately. This is a relational knowing. Before you even were aware of yourself, before you had any self-awareness or self-consciousness, I have known you down to your core. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Do you see that he's taking Jeremiah's attention off of himself and saying, hey, look at me. Look into my eyes. Let me retell your story for you. And when I tell it to you, it will transform you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. This word means I set you apart for holy use. And I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God's saying, I ordained you that you would take my message, not only to the southern kingdom of Judah, but to the nations, because the Lord says, my intention has always been that my people would be a light to the nations, that my salvation would reach to the ends of the earth. One, one commentator, Derek Kidner, talks about this passage in this way. He says, for Jeremiah to be told, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, was to be given a new center of gravity away from his soul self in the confines of the immediate scene, back to the creator himself in the master plan. And I wonder if you can feel this and receive this new center of gravity today, whatever your eyes are on right now in terms of your circumstances, whatever it is for you right now that you're walking through that is causing deep pain in your heart, like fear. When you look out onto the horizon of your life, and all you can feel is anxiety and stress and heartache. The Lord is saying to you this morning, not only did I form you, not only do I have the authority to tell you who you are and what I made you for, but before I formed you, I knew you. I wonder this morning if we could receive that together. What would that mean for us to hear this word from the Lord and receive it? Let me keep moving in verse 6. Then hear Jeremiah's response. We were studying this as a, past, uh, as a staff this past week, and Mariah from our team said, Oh, I love, I love that the first word out of his mouth is just, ah. I wonder if you can feel this from Jeremiah. He hears, Okay, Lord, I hear you just said that I'm going to be a prophet to the nations. And his response is, ah. Like in the Hebrew, you can also translate it as, alas. He's like, ah, Lord, like about that, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. What he's saying is, I'm, I'm just a teenager. I'm still under my parents' roof on their payroll. Like, you've got the wrong guy. This calling that you've set before me is too much for me. And look at what the Lord, look at what he says next. I love this. He says, do not say, I am only a youth. He moves right past Jeremiah's insecurity and look at what he grounds it. And he says, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them for I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Do you see what the Lord's doing? He's taking Jeremiah's gaze off of himself, off of his insecurity, off of his self-absorption, off of his self-consciousness. And he's saying, look at me. I'm going to be with you to deliver you. Do you feel how the Lord strengthens his servants? He recounts their life story and he reorients them in their relationship with him and with everyone else around them. He's saying, I'm going to be with you. Brothers and sisters, do you feel it? The moment that you become aware of your weakness 
your inability, God says right there, that's where I'm going to meet you. Bring your weakness to me. I will strengthen you. This is the invitation for all of us today. And as I've been meditating on this passage, I can't help but um, think about holding my daughter, Ellis. I know you guys are tired of me putting pictures of my kids up here, but I have to give you one more. You didn't think I was going to make it through without giving you a picture of Ellis. Um, she's two months old. And, um, and as I've been thinking about this passage and praying for you guys and praying for her and praying for my own heart, um, been praying these truths over her, like the Lord knows her. Before he knit her together, he, he knew her. And praying that she would trust in Jesus one day, that she would know him and love him and follow him. And um, I normally don't hold her like that, only when I'm having to take a picture. Normally I hold her like this, and I love to kind of put my cheek on her cheek to help her fall back asleep and just kind of rock with her. And I, and I, um, as I've been thinking about this idea of Jeremiah and his weakness, it, it's very personal for me, this passage is. And I've, I've come to realize um, that, man, I can identify uh, with this young man um, on many days. Uh, many of you know, and I've, I've brought this up several times, but um, just feel led to share a bit about this, that in recounting my personal history with the Lord and thinking about this this past week, that... Um, my testimony goes something like this. When I was an eight-year-old boy, I heard the good news of Jesus and responded in faith. The Holy Spirit was moving in my heart in such a way that I was like ready. It's like, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need Jesus to forgive me. And I trusted in him in a, in a sincere, childlike way as an eight-year-old kid. And then two years later, I was sexually abused by a hero in the faith, a spiritual leader who happened to be the same person that was preaching the gospel that night when I trusted in Jesus. And as I've been working through a counseling journey this fall, trying to process and heal from, from the pain of that experience, I mean, it's taken me several decades to become aware of like, ooh, yeah, there's pain deep in my heart. And um, as I've been holding that little girl and, uh, and just rocking her, you know, and listening to worship music and like asking the Lord to bring healing in my heart. Um, there have just been some moments where I become aware that in the same way that I'm holding her and loving her, he's holding me and loving me. Like, you know, it's said about Jesus in Isaiah 61 um, this prophecy that he fulfilled, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up their wounds. And I just want to say to you today, like, your place of weakness is where Jesus wants to meet you. He wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to strengthen you, right, and like put steel in your spine to where you actually have good news to share with the people around you that are without hope, that there is a healer, there's a redeemer, and his name is Jesus. And so the way that the Lord strengthens his servants is by recounting our relational history. But not only that, he awakens our spiritual senses. Let's take a look at Verse 9, 
And the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow. I just want to pause right there for just a moment and help us see that we're getting a summary statement here of Jeremiah's ministry. And it's going to be hard, by the way. Like, he needs this strength from the Lord because this man is going to preach for 40 years and, as far as we know, have two people respond favorably to his message and repent. He has two converts, as far as we know, his scribe Baruch, who helped write down this book, and one other man who was an Ethiopian eunuch who comes to faith in the Lord. And besides that, everybody hates Jeremiah, pretty much. He's known as the weeping prophet because he wept over the people of God who committed, uh, who were the, the, the imagery that you read. If you were to read through Jeremiah, it can be a tough book because there's a lot about spiritual adultery. That's the accusation against the people of God. Idolatry, spiritual adultery, and people hated him for it and he wept over God's people. But I don't want us to miss that Jeremiah is... Uh, in this moment strengthened and he was, he was strong. He's weeping not because he's weak. He's actually weeping from a place of like God has healed him and given him his heart for the people. And I want us to see what his ministry is going to look like. The Lord touches his mouth. Like the place of his weakness, God brings his healing touch and his empowering touch and gives him authority, gives him the words to speak to the people. And here's his ministry, to pluck up and to break down. Jeremiah was to preach against sin, to call the people of God to repentance, saying repentance is required to know the Lord. Repentance is required to be healed. But not only that, to destroy and to overthrow, you see it in verse 10. This is that judgment is coming. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment with the two images that he sees. But then also to build and to plant. It's not all just prophetic denunciation. There is beautiful hope that emerges throughout the book of Jeremiah. And here we have about hope and And so I want us to see that as we're considering what it means that the Lord strengthens us by awakening our spiritual senses, he's, he's teaching Jeremiah how to hear from him. He's teaching Jeremiah how to see with spiritual sight. Did you notice that this whole passage unfolds in the context of prayer? Like verses 4 through 19, this is a conversation between the Lord and Jeremiah. He's learning to listen to the voice of the Lord and to respond in prayer. Notice that we didn't read these verses, but back in verse 1, we know about Jeremiah that he was a priest before he was a prophet that he had spent his life studying the word of God, studying the law of God, committing it to memory. Like he had spent years and years in God's word. He was studied in the character of God. He was studied in the history of God's dealings with his people. And now all of that training, like all of the, we talk about this in our, our discipleship track training courses, all of the firewood that he's been splitting and stacking in the off season, the Lord lights it on fire here with his presence. Like, and he begins to be a praying man. He begins to listen to the Lord. And here he's learning to see these images that the Lord gives him. Old Testament prophets were oftentimes known as seers. 
The Lord would give them an image and he would tell them how to interpret it and how to speak it to the people. So let's look at this. How does the Lord awaken Jeremiah's spiritual senses? Um, We're going to look at kind of a training that he takes them through. So let's take a look at verse 11 through 12. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you've seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. In English, we kind of read right by that and, and don't notice anything. But in the original language, the word for almond and the word for watching, it's a play on words. They sound so similar. What the Lord is saying is, hey, I'm going to give you an image. What do you see? Jeremiah would have recognized, okay, an almond branch. What do I know about almond branches? This is the, the first tree to blossom in the spring. Oftentimes as early as January, this tree would begin to blossom before anything else blooms. And the Lord says, you've seen, you've seen correctly, I'm watching. I'm not going to delay. I'm going to fulfill my word. You can speak my word with boldness and with courage and with confidence because I'm not asleep. I'm not removed and distant. I am present in your story. I'm in your midst. I act for those who waits for me, declares the Lord. And so Jeremiah in this moment is learning to listen to the Lord, learning to see with spiritual sight. But not only that, he gets another training exercise. We don't know how much time is elapsing between all this, but Jeremiah is saying, hey, this is how God strengthened me. This is how he prepared me for the vocation, for the calling in front of me. And so let's take a look at verse 13. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. This would have been like a large cooking pot that was in everyone's homes. Jeremiah would have been familiar with this image. And the pot is tilted from the north to the south, boiling over. And, and Jeremiah is trying to make sense of this. And the Lord says, hey, let me, let me tell you what this means. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I'm calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. And they shall come and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. Let me read verse 16 for us. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. It's a hard word that Jeremiah is given to preach. He doesn't get to, he didn't write the mail. He just delivers it, right? Like God says, whatever I command you, you shall speak. And this is not a popular message. Jeremiah, with his own eyes, saw the people of God taken away into Babylonian captivity. He saw Jerusalem destroyed. He's the weeping prophet, and he is saying, God is calling every one of us to repent, to turn from our wicked ways, to cast down our idols, and to return wholeheartedly to him. That was his message. And brothers and sisters, I just wonder In this section of our passage here, when you consider Jeremiah learning to hear the voice of the Lord, would you be willing to ask yourself the question, what does your communication lines with the Lord look like in this season of your life? Maybe there was another season where you felt like you could hear him more clearly, but perhaps you find yourself in a season right now where it's like, I haven't heard from him in years. We, we were away on a retreat a couple weeks ago, our pastoral team with, with pastors from across the city um, through the Houston Church Planning Network with a, a writer and speaker by the name of Paul Miller. And this man wrote a book called A Praying Life, which we love around here. You probably heard us talking about this one. He's writing another book that's coming out soon called A Praying Church. 
And we were away praying for you and praying for churches across the city that the Lord would raise the water levels of prayer across the city of Houston. Like we're actually asking the Lord to do something in our day that is new and beautiful and amazing. And there was a a quote that I came across as we were um, considering this topic of a praying church. This is the forward to uh, Paul Miller's new book. And this is a quote. It says, the battle to pray is not mainly a battle against prayerlessness, but a battle against discouragement, cynicism, and unbelief. Do you feel that with me? Like in, in my life, when I think back on my story, um, man, there, there are years and years where, where, whether we're talking about prayer or whether we're talking about worship and singing to the Lord, or whether we're talking about like making disciples and personal evangelism, there have been years of my life where it just feels like, man, there's like, I just feel stuck. I don't know how to hear from him. I feel like he has withdrawn from me and I'm just trying to push through, but like it just feels really dry. And, and what I've realized in my journey is that walking through some of the pain that I experienced, I, I began to kind of keep God at a distance, not, not sure whether I could really trust him, not really sure whether he was good. And I wonder for you this morning, if you can hear the Lord pursuing you and wooing you through this passage saying, hey, bring your broken heart to me. Bring your grief to me. Bring your pain to me. Bring your weakness to me. Let me meet you in the midst of it. And I will speak to you. I will empower you. I will train you up in my word. And I will meet with you and give you real-time guidance that you would have your spiritual senses awakened that you would become once again a man or a woman of prayer, that you wouldn't try to do the Lord's work in your own flesh, in your own strength, just trying to, by your own willpower, persevere in the work he's given you to do, but that you would say, Lord, I'm weak, I'm needy, I'm helpless. Would you come and meet with me and empower me for the work that you've given me to do? I want to also invite you to consider when you think about the sins of God's people, did you hear verse 16? We've got to look back at this. For all their evil and forsaking me, they have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the work, works of their own hands. We can hear that and say, wow, the people of Israel, people of, of the southern kingdom of Judah were a mess back then, weren't they? Like we can hear it that way and keep it at a distance. Or we can remember that the word of God is living and active and we can allow the spirit of God to search us out knowing that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path to help us see, man, I do the very same things. Like, would you be willing to consider before the Lord this morning, where do you see yourself in these words, forsaking the Lord, worshiping other false gods? We don't, we don't normally see statues around in our society, but, but we have false gods in our culture. Think about the way that we view money and sex and our career and relationships. Like, just think about all the idols of our culture. Can you hear the Lord saying to you this morning, turn away from everything else that you are trying to find strength in and return wholeheartedly to me? I will heal you. I will empower you. I will equip you for the work that I've given you to do. Brothers and sisters, 
God strengthens us by recounting our relational history, by awakening our spiritual senses. But let's take a look here at this last section, verses 17 through 19. And this is strong right here. But you dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Do you see that God gives Jeremiah purpose and protection? You see, Jeremiah's vocation here as a messenger of God, it's a lot like being a boxer or like a running back. I mean, the dude is going to take some hits, right? Everybody hated this guy. And the Lord is saying, hey, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to protect you. And, and if, if, you, if your life is taken from you and when your life is taken from you, your death only brings you closer to me, right? I mean, it's like the Apostle Paul saying, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's saying, Jeremiah, you have nothing to fear. Don't look inside yourself for internal resources. Don't look around you to what people think about you. Look at me. I will strengthen you. And this journey of being on this, you know, Ferris wheel with me, it's exhilarating. Like, it is going to be the most incredible journey. This is what you were made for. Do you hear the Lord saying to Jeremiah, like, this is why you were born. You're looking for purpose for your life. The Lord's saying, look at me. I will strengthen you. Bring your weakness to me. Bring your broken heart to me. I will empower you for the work that I have set out before you. I am with you to deliver you. Did you hear in verse 18 all of these, like, strong military images that are now spoken over Jeremiah. This, this weak, insecure teenager says, God, I can't do this, what you're asking me to do. And God says, hey, let me put my, my healing hand upon you and put my words in your mouth and send you out from a place of weakness, like broken before me, the Lord says, but bold before everyone around you. I will make you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls. Brothers and sisters, do you hear the Lord's invitation today? Like, would you be willing to ask yourself the question, where am I sleepy and lazy and spiritually apathetic right now? Where do I just feel like worn down, like I just don't care anymore? In what ways are you following Jesus, like hearing his call saying to you, hey, come and follow me and I will make you become fishers of men and women. He's saying, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In what ways are you hearing that right now? But honestly, like if we were to just examine your week and mine, we're just playing scared. Right? We're just like moving out into the world in our own resources and aware of our own insecurities and, and so consumed with what everyone around us thinks about us instead of this image of being a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls. The Lord's saying, bring your weakness to me. Bring your helplessness to me. I'm the one who makes you strong. And I know you can hear it as we wrap up here. Do you hear how Jesus is the truer and better Jeremiah? 
Like even as we celebrate the coming of Jesus at Advent, we remember that he came to deliver us and he came to rescue us. Did you hear it echoed throughout this passage in verse 8 and verse 19? I am with you, Emmanuel. I am with you to deliver you. Jesus is the one who lived in perfect fellowship with his Father, fully known and loved at his Father's right hand from eternity past, and he left his glory in heaven and humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, was born as a baby in a manger, came in weakness and in vulnerability and perfectly obeyed his father. His spiritual senses completely awakened. All he ever did was in dependence upon his father by the spirit, perfectly obeying him in every place where we have failed. And Jesus finished the work that God gave him to do. He persevered to the end to where at the end of his life, he said, it is finished. Everything required For the sins of the world to be forgiven has been fulfilled so that you and me by faith in him could be delivered through death into eternal life. And he rose again victorious. Do you see that Jesus fulfills everything that we've seen here? And the invitation for all of us today is would you look to him? Would you come to him? See him knowing you and loving you. Bring your weakness to him saying, Jesus, will you heal me? Will you strengthen me? Will you speak to me? Teach me to listen to you. I want to move out into the world on this exhilarating experience of a lifetime of walking through life with you. May it be so. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are at work in these moments, that you are speaking to our hearts, even using the weakness of my words, Lord. I pray that, I pray that you would, that your word would be all that we remember and that you would continue to, by your spirit, bring healing. God, would you help us to know that we can trust you? Would you open our mouth, Lord, that we would declare your praise? Would you teach us to talk to you, Lord? as our Father, who loves us more than we could ever even understand, Lord. And I pray that you would, would you raise the water level of just prayer across this church family? Would you make us bold witnesses for you, that we would fulfill the ministry that you've set out in front of each one of us? And Father, I do pray for any friends in the room who have yet to trust in your son Jesus. Would you just call them to yourself even now? Would you just woo them to yourself? May they know that Jesus is the deliverer. He's the savior. There's none like him. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen.